1: Yes, it is, and welcome back this Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios. Delight to welcome back, as we do every top of our second hour on Wednesdays, Congressman David Schweikert, representing... Congressional District 6 for now, soon to be representing Congressional District 1. David, by the way, what, when do you say you're, you're – do you wait for after the election or – Yeah, you're?
2: it's only appropriate to wait until after okay,
1: the election. Okay, so just stick so with CD6 for now. spending a
2: lot of time in – you know, uh, it's, just, it's just the nature of it, um, particularly the way things have been the last few years. Um, we have lots of relationships in your neighborhood and those, and it's just part of having grown up in the neighborhood.
1: But until after November, we still say CD6. Yes. Gotcha. Welcome back to the show, David Schweikert, representing Congressional District <laughs> 6. Yeah, whatever. Just, just get on with it. By now, i, I I'll
2: just say it David Because again. it's painful
1: what I'm going to raise with you. I'm delaying the painful. And the painful is that I read today that our national debt is now – topping 30 trillion dollars
2: yep yep congratulations we did it yesterday you know i I know there was a lot of folks we need to thank they worked hard at this and they finally did it we finally got the debt over 30 trillion dollars but but not to be outdone because the the rate of growth is actually going to really start accelerating in the next few years even over this craziness
1: okay good tell me how that works
2: well, it it works by basically um, destroying your future, your future retirement, your kids' future. I mean, the CBO number from a year ago—that's Congressional Budget Office from a year ago before all the crazy Biden spending—was um, one hundred and twelve trillion dollars in twenty-nine years. Okay, and that's and that's inflation adjusted, so that's in today's dollars. Right. Um look, it, 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 to give you an idea how dangerous this is, the model simply says if in, a, in a 10, 15 years, if interest rates are two points higher than the budget office has predicted, at that time, every dime of tax receipts, that's tax collections would go just to pay interest. What? You've got to understand how bad that and, and, – and look, I know we want to talk about Ukraine. I know there's so many other things, and, and, and I feel sometimes intensely lonely here watching. because I'm like the only member screaming that if we don't get the economic growth up, if we don't start to adopt disruptive technology to crash the prices on health care and other things, we're screwed.
1: Can I tell you something, Numbers David? Don't give up on that. Don't give up on owning well, that but, space. But, but throughout the 19s. no, lobbyists. I just want to compliment you for a second and give you some encouragement. Don't give up on owning that space. Throughout the 70s, throughout the 1970s, he was on no major committees. He was seen as a backbencher. His name was Jack Kemp, railing oh, about yeah. growth and the importance of marginal tax rates. And finally, we got a Ronald Reagan who said that Kemp guys got the right idea. Let's well, do that. This is for so anyone stay, stay at it, David. Stay All at right.
2: it. You started this. Um, please understand. You see the discussions of, hey, the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates. And my economists were here in the office here a little while ago. I'm blessed to have a handful of them at work for me because of my committee assignments. And, you know, a couple of them say, hey, there's going to be four rate hikes this year. I'm actually an outlier. I think there might be seven. Okay. But go back to 1981. Yep. It wasn't Volcker just raising interest right. rates That's sky right. high. That's right. We also cut taxes.
1: Yep. yep. At the
2: time. And the reason you do that, now, I, I, in today's world, I would cut taxes differently. I would do some capital gains, some some things to incentivize investment in what raises productivity. hmm if inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods, mm-hmm. you can squeeze it from one end, which is you, by raising interest rates, taking liquidity out of the market, you strip away those dollars. Right. But the other side is, or you could make more goods and services right. Right. that are available to purchase. Right. That's a right. supply sider. Right. If you want to tap down inflation, make more stuff.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely right. That's absolutely right, David. Now, one of the things that we do have to admit is um, there are two parties and neither of them are blameless. I happen to think the Democrats are a little more blameworthy than the Republicans on this spending stuff. But. On that front, if you listen to Jen Psaki today, she was asked about this. She said uh, how they were going to handle the debt. She said by passing laws that don't increase it like the Build Back Better agenda. We are being lied to, David. We are being lied to. Of
2: course we are. (laughs) Do you remember when President Biden and his cohorts said, every dime will be paid for? Right. And then we got the budget estimates and it wasn't even close. And guess what they did the next day? They lied and said, every dime's paid for. And then we would go to the floor and show our charts, and no reporter would cover it. huh. Um, but And it's even the official numbers from the CBO, from the Congressional Budget Office. But it's as if they memorize their talking point, mm-hmm. and they're good drones. They just say the same thing over and over, even when it's just a blatant
1: misrepresentation of the facts. So one of the things that we can say helped stop the bleeding – this is a question, I suppose. Can we say – let me try it that way, David. Can we say one of the things that helped stop the bleeding was indeed not passing the Build Back Better agenda?
2: No. OK. Because that was going to be um, additional hemorrhaging of cash on top of what we're already doing. Got it. Okay. It was just going to A accelerate. band-aid on a
1: gusher. I got gotcha. you.
2: Yeah. I mean – in. You know, when you start saying, "Hey, we're going to borrow another, you know, eight hundred and eighty billion dollars in the ten years on top of everything else that isn't paid for," da 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 da. Well, if you by the end of the decade you're coming close to borrowing two trillion a year. Yeah, it, it, it's still a tremendous amount of money because then you have so you know you. But it, 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 it's not a rounding error, but it, you're already in real trouble.
1: The problem. Uh, a lot of americans have with this discussion i think is they have been told 10 trillion is real trouble 20 trillion is real you know, trouble well they've
2: been, well, the, look the left has lied and the right has misrepresented for a long time how okay. many of you think of some of the political meetings you and i would have gone to 20 years ago uh-huh and the politician would get up and say you know at a republican one you know, we need to stop foreign aid, and we need to deal with waste and fraud.
1: Right, they waste, fraud, and abuse—that's what everyone said. They, yep, but mm-hmm.
2: they, they were lying. Right, they, 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 that was never the driver. Our Democrats get up. Rich people aren't paying enough taxes. Right. There's too much going to the war machine. Right, and they're really lying. And it's uncomfortable. This will upset everyone that's listening right now. That $112 trillion of borrowing that happens over the next 29 years, Mm -hmm. it's solely Medicare and Social Security.
1: In other words, nearly untouchable. Nearly untouchable.
2: Well, look, and it's too late for the discussions that were happening in the very early 2000s with President Bush of, hey, if we would do these minor adjustments, then we could have Void where we're at. Well, now we're 20 plus years later, and we're there. Um, entitlement reform, it's too late. We've, we've, we've missed that window. So now you have to do everything. You have to do tax policy that – one day you and I really need to talk about some of the tax policy alternatives of going to a border adjustability instead of what the way we do so it makes us more competitive in the world, um, radically changing the way we regulate you know, using technology as a regulator instead of paperwork and file cabinets, um, But the, uh, you know, adopting technology to crash the price of healthcare All these sound a little utopian, but you have to do now all of them. And you need to do them all at this right now. You can't just roll out one after another over a decade. There's not enough time. This is coming out as like a freight train. And we're going to talk about the shiny object of the day. Oh, someone, you know, someone hurt my feelings. Oh, why, we have two members of Congress fussing at each other. Anything other than talk about what's going to
1: destroy your republic, David? I um, I think that that's it. That's 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 probably one of the most important discussions we can have because we get stuck in these old models of tax reform and the principles of tax reform. So the next time I have you in studio, let's just put an hour together where we talk about these, you know, as Lincoln said, our case is new, we must think anew." Let's 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 put an hour aside next time you're in, in, in studio with me, and we'll talk about these new alternative ways to think about tax reform. I'd love to do it. I think it is crucially important.
2: Well, it, and it's more than tax reform. It is growth moral, and I will argue it's not only moral, it's absolute. Mm-hmm. We have to grow like crazy and then we have to bend the curve you know of that 112 trillion dollars of borrowing in the next 29 years um about 75 78 percent of that is just medicare we need to bend the cost of delivering health care but you don't bend that cost by rationing you bend it by doing it better and you bend it by curing people To cure diabetes, which is really hard and really complex, would be the single biggest thing you could do for U.S. debt over the next three decades.
1: All right, I'm writing it down, David, for the next time you're here. I have a title for our segment yeah. The Kantian Moral Imperatives of Growth, <laughs> Tax, and Health Reform with David Schweikert. I'm going to hold you to it, brother.
2: Yeah, yeah let's not title
1: it that. Oh, no. <laughs> this is what we're titling. <laughs> this is what we like. David Schweikert, you're a great man, a great congressman, right, go and a great him. sport. Godspeed. Thank you, sir. I know. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Yeah, you heard a word of uh, of uh, advertising for balance of nature there. I take it every single day. I don't know. Last couple of days, I've just had a little hard time sleeping. I don't know if it's the weather. I don't know what it is. Just I haven't done much differently. and Who knows? But uh, I've been taking a little extra balance of nature just to make sure uh, that I'm keeping uh, my pep and my step here. And you can't overdose on it. It's just pure fruits and veggies. It's uh, the only – It is the only whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or anything like added sugar, the only natural sugar that comes out of the natural fruits and veggies, all third-party tested for bacteria, heavy metals, and that sort of thing. I love Balance of Nature. I don't know what I'd do without it, quite frankly. It keeps me healthy. It keeps me sharp. It keeps me from getting sick. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE to get the best benefits financially from balance of nature, if and when you do order it. There's no product I, uh, I have ever taken that I am a bigger believer in than balance of nature. All right. I'll tell you a product I'm not a big believer in. A product I'm not a big believer in is what is taking place right now with the government, the federal government, telling the kind of thing we were talking about with Brett Johnson, telling social media companies, that they have to clean up their act as far as reporting misinformation. Listen to this from Jen Psaki earlier today. The General
0: also was asked uh, on MSNBC about Joe Rogan's vaccine comments uh, on Spotify, and he said that tech companies
2: have an important role to play in stopping misinformation because he, uh, they are the predominant places
0: where misinformation spreads.
1: And Jen Saki said the White
0: House and the administration think this is a satisfactory step. So our hope is that all major tech platforms and all major news sources for that matter all. be responsible and be vigilant to ensure the American people have access to accurate information on something as significant as COVID nineteen. That certainly includes Spotify. So this disclaimer It's a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out misinformation and disinformation while also uplifting accurate information.
1: Think about that for a moment. Spotify now has the disclaimers saying, you know, make up your own mind. What you are hearing may be opinion, blah, 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 blah. And the White House is saying that's a good first step. Need to do more. Need to do more now. Keep in mind the federal government has a lot of power over not just social media, but what Jen Psaki let slip there. You have to listen to her very, very carefully, she said, and all news organizations. Think about what a government can do. Did you ever see the movie Nixon? Movie Nixon, where Anthony Hopkins plays Richard Nixon. Uh, it, it, it's actually a pretty darn good movie, even though it's made by a lefty. It's actually a pretty good movie. And there's a scene in there, and I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but you could imagine it being true. President Nixon is talking with an oil man in Texas. I think he was played by Larry Hagman, who was complaining about um, about the IRS. And how Nixon needs to – the president who he donated money to needs to uh, tell the IRS to lay off him a little bit. Nixon was having none of it. Nixon didn't like being abused that way by this particular businessman or a donor. And he said, if you think the boys at the IRS are giving you a hard time, wait until you have to deal with my boys at the EPA and OSHA. In other words, the federal government can, particularly when you're in the news business – They can wage a lot of leverage against you when you think about things like the Federal Communications Commission and when you think about their ICC work. They can put a lot of pressure on you if they – even if you are a news organization, even if you are a media organization. And she is now telling all news organizations they need to do more than put out disclaimers and it has to be accurate information. I am – Maybe I have to do it. I don't know. I I don't really have the time right now. But a good journalist would put up 10 items that have been – 10 statements that have been made by either the head of the CDC, the president or Anthony Fauci about the COVID – about the coronavirus and then 10 things said by – Take your pick, Joe Rogan, Dennis Prager, me, Heather McDonald, Jay J. Barakarachas, Scott Atlas, and see who's been more right, who's been more accurate, who has been more factual. The fact that I or Joe Rogan or Hugh Hallman or Lewis Hallman says something that is contrary to the CDC – but that the CDC then will say it or admit to it two months later does not mean it is wrong. It means that the Hugh Hallmans and the Louis Hallmans of the world were more serious, were taking this much more seriously. And that surprise, surprise, the government wasn't doing a good job or even possibly more of a surprise, the government was lying to you. The left used to have no problem saying the government is lying to you. This was the stock and trade of the left, particularly throughout the 60s and the 70s. But from the beginning of our country, the entirety of the First Amendment was to give freedom of speech precisely for questioning of the government. And then it got extrapolated from there to protect speech about other things. But protecting the individual's right or the individual media operations right to question the government was the exact and very purpose of the First Amendment. We have arrived at a point where it is now the government telling media that it's their job to censor because their view of accuracy doesn't match the government's. And the government is fact. Lesta c'est moi as the Sun King put it. That's Jen Psaki. That's your Democratic left. Now, what do you do about Neil Young and David Crosby? I'll tell you what you do about Neil Young and David Crosby when we come right back. David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and sometimes Young weighed in on this. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed where he came out. I sure was. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Well, I've always thought in the band Crosby, Stills, and Nash that – and I never really liked Neil Young, so I always just call it Crosby, Stills, and Nash. But if it's CSNNY, that's fine too. I've always particularly thought Stephen Stills was the most talented of the group. And if he's weighed in on the Joe Rogan controversy, let me know. I haven't seen it. But David Crosby has. David Crosby has the Joe Rogan controversy that was started by Neil Young. Neil Young saying it's me or Joe Rogan, and Spotify didn't have, oh, I don't know, to take more than five minutes to figure out that they're going to stick with Joe Rogan over Neil Young, mostly because of box office. But if they wanted to drill down and make a point of it, they'd find that over the years, heck, over just the past year, Joe Rogan was speaking more accurately and telling more truth than Neil Young ever had. But now David Crosby has weighed in and he put a statement out. We support Neil and we agree with him that there is dangerous disinformation being aired on Spotify's Joe Rogan podcast. While we always value alternate points of view, knowingly spreading disinformation during this global pandemic has deadly consequences. Until real action is taken to show that a concern for humanity must be balanced with commerce, we don't want our music to be on the same platform. Every part of that sentence is wrong, but it's also absurd. Do we really think that David Crosby should be the arbiter of what is safe and healthy information, he who has spent time in state prisons on charges of drugs and weapons carrying, and not just marijuana, but heroin and cocaine, having been arrested multiple times for DUIs, including a hit and run, having illegally been in possession Of firearms, is David Crosby really in a position to be talking about health information and public safety of any kind whatsoever? Is he? And what was the whole Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young enterprise when they weren't singing love songs, but when they were singing about Ohio or when they were singing? At Woodstock. It was to challenge the government and the government narrative. But let's go back to the statement on its merits. There is dangerous disinformation being aired on Spotify's Joe Rogan's podcast. There is dangerous disinformation. What is the dangerous disinformation? Let me tell you the difference between Joe Rogan and CNN. The difference between Joe Rogan and CNN for anyone who spends literally no more than 10 minutes looking into this. You don't have to spend more than 10 minutes looking into this. Joe Rogan is this humble. When he is corrected on something, he is the first to admit he stands corrected. When and if he says something wrong, which isn't that often, but when and if he does, he owns up to it. And he admits it and he says, I got that wrong. Let's clarify. Let's fix. Because he is not in the deliberate service of promulgating one ideology, unlike CNN. Now, what is the dangerous disinformation? Give me one example. Is it because of his position on ivermectin? Well, he's backed up by 40 peer-reviewed studies at least, at least – Simply that the CDC or Anthony Fauci or Rochelle Walensky don't want you to know about that doesn't mean they don't exist. But there they are. There they are. While we always value alternate – well, before I even get to the second sentence, let's still stick with David Crosby's first. There's dangerous disinformation being aired on Joe Rogan's – on Spotify's Joe Rogan. There's dangerous disinformation being aired in a lot of places. David Crosby's going to be awfully busy in his retirement if he wants to go hunting down dangerous disinformation. I can point him to a few places. How many quotes have I given out of Anthony Fauci giving out information that turned out to be wrong? And in two very important cases, he admitted to not telling you the truth. David Crosby going to go after Anthony Fauci? You know he's not. I have more to say about this when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studio, David Crosby uh, from Crosby Stills, and, uh, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, uh, supporting his uh, buddy uh, Neil Young, says, While we always value alternate points of view, knowingly spreading disinformation during the global pandemic has deadly consequences. While we always value alternate points of view. Watch out for phrases like that. Watch out for phrases like that. They're usually a lie. They're usually a self-defense preemptory throwaway line so that you know when you listen to the person who says that they basically agree except in this case, the case that matters, the case before them the case that has any urgency whatsoever, the case that has any material impact on anyone's life whatsoever. They always use that peremptory throwaway line. While we generally value free speech, while we generally value the idea of robust conversation, while we generally believe that it's a good thing to question the government, Not in this case. Watch the dependent clause that comes right after it. It's wholly sanctimonious and it's wholly fraudulent. No understanding of the First Amendment allows for this sort of thing. Justice Robert Jackson, the one I like the most, he wrote, in the height of World War II, in 1943, in a flag salute case, siding with... Children who, because of their religious beliefs, didn't want to stand up because it would violate their individual conscience in saying things they didn't believe, stood with the children at the height of World War II. Would there ever be a greater time in which you would say, why, we generally support an individual's right of conscience? Of course there wouldn't. And the Supreme Court said in the mouth and pen of Robert Jackson, freedom to differ is not limited to things that do not matter much. That would be a mere shadow of freedom. Do you see what he's saying there? Do you see what he's saying there? The whole opening line, while we generally support freedom of speech, or while we generally support robust conversation, or while we generally agree in the value of alternative points of view. Robert Jackson and the Supreme Court have been saying, stop right there. Freedom of speech means precisely this moment you're about to dismiss. Things that touch the heart of the existing order is what Robert Jackson said in protecting the students in West Virginia. In the Barnett case of 1943, David Crosby knows none of this history, but it doesn't matter. He's speaking from a place of ignorance, but ignorance with a dangerous opinion, ignorance with a dangerous conclusion for what's bothering him is, as he says, a global pandemic with deadly consequences. Would he like to spend 45 minutes With me, Dennis Prager, Hugh Hallman, Louis Hallman, a number of people that can talk about the deadly consequences of the disinformation the government has issued during the pandemic and the inability to access life-saving therapeutics that have been written up in peer-reviewed journals. And that we know anecdotally have worked for those that wend themselves through the seven circles of medical hell they've been put through to get to them because they don't want to be put on a ventilator. Should we talk about those deadly consequences. Should we talk about the deadly consequences of suicide? Should we talk about the deadly consequences of drug use and overdose? No, we should not. You know why? Why? David Crosby's stock in trade is drug use and overdose. He has no problem with any of them. Well, we in the sane world do. And thank God, thank God Spotify's Sweden-based ownership stands on that. Stands on that. I wish more American corporations did. I really do. I have no brief with or against Joe Rogan, never met him, never met him, but I admire what he's doing and I admire that he, like I'd like to think I, immediately corrects anything that comes to light as contradictory, in fact, to what we would have said. There's an honesty to that and there's a humility to that. And it's an honesty and a humility that does not exist in most platforms, including CNN. Notice Jeff Zucker, who resired, retired or resigned today from CNN. He did so only after it was discovered in what lawyers call discovery, only after it was discovered in a lawsuit bought, brought against CNN and brought against him by Chris Cuomo that he was having an inappropriate relation at C- relationship at CNN. He was happy to just keep on going and making the millions until it was discovered until it was just dis- the covering up, the covering up at CNN and, and within CNN, not only in what it reports, but in how it behaves runs deep and deeply through the veins as well as the vocal cords, as well as the operations of the mind in the left. Boy, that was a funny thing to think about, wasn't it? The firing of Chris Cuomo that has led to all this upset at CNN. Here's a question for you. I'd be curious about your opinion on this. Whoopi Goldberg was suspended for two weeks from The View. She's on a two-week suspension for her statements. Do you agree with that? Do you support that? Was that right? Was it condign? Was it deserved? Was it earned? Or should she not have been given two weeks? Or should she have been given a stronger reprimand or punishment? I'd be curious to know what you think about that. John in Peoria. How are you, sir? It's been a while. Happy New Year.
3: Seth, it's been too long, my friend. It has uh, been. I bite my tongue every time I call. I, I listen to the program because I think I'd like to jump on that, and then I correct
1: myself and don't. Why?
3: But I, well, because I don't want to get in the way of other people, you know. Oh, you are, you're
1: are you're, you're humble and sweet. Well, I have to take a quick commercial break. Can you hold with me and we'll come yeah. right back? Yes, sir. You're in favor of commerce, right, John? <laughs> you yes, betcha. Sir. I'm Seth. He's John. You're, If you're not on hold, we'd like you to be. Give us a call, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John and Peoria, before he was interrupted, we were just getting started. John, welcome back, and thank you for calling, and thank you for your patience.
3: Thank you for being the, the good uh, voice of reason that you continually are. Your kind. I appreciate that, You're and right. I, I bet that reflects a lot of listeners and good thinkers. Thank you, sir. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Yes, uh, they have made beautiful musical harmony. Yep, I love that. Yep, and I used to like the song teach your children well. Yep. And I wish they would follow that. Yep. Teach their children with reason and not just how to spin. 20 years ago or more, I'm nearly 72, Seth. Thank you very much. I appreciate the compliment. Um, <laughs> that you were thinking.
1: Yeah, okay. no, I I, I would have never guessed yeah. that. I, I never know what to say yeah. cause when people tell me their age because I usually will get it wrong but I, I will honestly tell you I never would have guessed you were 72.
3: Well, I'm closer to 72 than 71. Out, but a little uh, expression that I have found useful to apply to me in attempted humility is I think summarizes all of the CNN, Whoopi Goldberg, all the left, etc., which you clearly exposed. Thank you. The expression is this, there are none so blind as those who will not see. But I added a long time ago, there are none so blind as those who will not see. it my way.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yep
3: and doesn't that summarize CNN and all the ripple of left-hood and we they have blind, they have they have cornered they have squelched anyone who disagrees with seeing it their way mhm mhm that drives me nuts yep thank you very much
1: no thank you john thank you um think about the elevated rhetoric That takes place here. Think about when your ability to reason is unconvincing because at base it's unreasonable. Think about what they do. David Crosby says, Joe Rogan knowingly spreads disinformation during this global pandemic and it has deadly consequences. Give me the disinformation. But more importantly, speaking of heated rhetoric, what's the deadly consequence What is the deadly consequence? In other words, who has a wrongful death claim against Joe Rogan that's circulating in the courts right now? Nobody. Who could have a wrongful death claim against Joe Rogan because they took his advice? Nobody. Nobody. Ratcheted up rhetoric because based in zero fact or reason. Beware the demagogue. I don't know how to say it other than that. Beware the demagogue. The demagogues today are entirely and exclusively positioned in COVID on the left. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.